It's at the letters for Monday, October 2nd. Arden Zwelling, Ben Nicholson, Smith on location at Target Field in Minneapolis, Minnesota, ahead of the Blue Jays and Twins wildcard series that will be occurring here in this very ballpark on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. As we speak, the Blue Jays are completing their final rounds of batting practice. Kevin Biggio is stepping in. Davis Schneider just hit one. Uh, somewhere deep to uh, left center field. Blue Jays pitchers are milling about in the outfield, shagging fly balls. Uh, The postseason is upon us, Ben. It is. And I think, I can't remember whether we predicted this on the podcast or maybe it was like talking to a stadium usher here at Target Field in May or maybe it was both, but I feel like there was, even at that point in time, which I think was late May when the Blue Jays visited the Twins, I think that there was an awareness that, hey, this could actually be a postseason matchup, and here we are. We were here, I'm like furiously looking it up on Baseball Reference, you and I, in late May when the Blue Jays yep. were here. We were both here for that series. And yeah, I don't remember if we said it publicly, but, and nobody will believe us, but like 100% we said to each other as we were leaving the ballpark, hey, we're probably coming back here in October. Yeah. And here we are. It's and and you know what? It came pretty close. You know, obviously over the weekend, it's only been a few days since we last uh, recorded a podcast, but that was uh, quite a series of highs and lows. And look, bottom line, they're here. They have a chance to win this series, to win four playoff series. That's you know, I, I was going to say it's all you can ask for. It's not quite all you can ask for because you could ask for a first round buy, but they're in a pretty good spot with the rested pitching staff and a good team and facing the Twins. Do you put anything into the fact that the Blue Jays needed a Mariners loss on Saturday in order to not have to try to win on Sunday in game 162 with the fact that the Blue Jays failed to reach 90 wins, the fact that they went two and four on their final homestand leading into the postseason, the fact that two years ago, this team wouldn't even be in the playoffs. Does that context matter at all going forward? It does matter a little bit, I think. I mean... Winning 90 games would have been a nice uh, note, a nice little milestone for this team, for John Schneider. It's tough to do in Major League Baseball. I think that this season is a is a perfect example of that. But ultimately, the win total doesn't really matter outside of the record books. So really, it's how you position yourself. And I think, you know, we talked about this on Friday, but to me, the big difference was, do you have to burn Kevin Gosman? And are you able to rest the likes of Alejandro Kirk and Brandon Belt and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. And they put themselves, I know Belt ended up playing, but they put themselves in a position where they actually could rest those guys. And it was with a big assist from the Seattle Mariners, obviously. So you could maybe say the Seattle Mariners put them in that position. But man, who's counting? At this point in the year, you got here, you're rested, they're ready. I think it does matter. Like if Seattle wins one more game, the Blue Jays aren't here. Um, Like this is a team that, coming out of spring training and over the offseason should have been projected to win over 90 games. The Blue Jays themselves should have felt like they're going to win over 90 games. If they came into this season thinking, yeah, we're going to win like 88, 89, maybe we get to 90, then they didn't do a good enough job of building this roster and of building this team. I mean, it has to be a disappointment that they were mostly healthy throughout six months and yet finished at 89 wins considering like you know getting nothing from Alec Manoa 
underperformance from Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Alejandro Kirk, George Springer to a certain extent, like having the best pitching staff in baseball, one of the best rotations in franchise history, as deep a bullpen as we've seen from this club, one of the better defensive additions of the Blue Jays we've seen in some time. Like considering all of that in a mosaic, like it, it has to be a disappointment. The, the regular season results played out the way that they did. And I think that we'll be talking a lot about that if the Blue Jays don't advance beyond the wildcard series. I, I tend to agree. I tend to agree. So, you know, there's no question in my mind that this was a disappointing regular season. If we're looking at the 2023 regular season, it was <laughs> not a good regular season. Now, here we are, and the Blue Jays still have a chance to have a great season. They still have a chance to have an all-time amazing season. They also could have a season that goes completely off the rails, and you know you could lose two in a row to the Twins, a team that has not won any of their last 18 playoff games. So, you know, a couple franchises here going head to head that haven't exactly had a lot of success recently so to me it's like you have this chance to reset you have a chance to set everything aside everything bad that happened everything frustrating that happened you can put that in the rearview mirror they have a chance to do that and they should take full advantage of it of the stats that are going to get thrown around in the next 24 48 hours that is the one that i care least about <laughs> the twins not having won a postseason game since like 1962 whatever it is who cares like those teams had nothing to do with this one it's complete like it's just trivia yeah. it's completely irrelevant it means nothing. But the good point that you made is that you can like completely change the narrative and change the story that's told about your team in October. And in a span of like honestly 12 to 15 games, it like George Springer this year, he finishes with a 104 WRC plus. He finishes with 21 home runs. Underwhelming season offensively from Springer, considering like he didn't hit the IL all year. He was healthy and available all year long. And yet, if he goes out, he hits two bombs in game three here at Target Field and takes the Blue Jays off to the DS and has another great series against the Astros, his former team, in a you know ballpark that you know as well. Forget about this season, right? Like, it's playoff hero George Springer. It's the guy who showed up at the, at the perfect time. Like, if the Blue Jays go on to play in a CS, to play in a World Series, if Dalton Varsho has one huge big swing that wins them a game, like one home run that turns the tide, no one is going to forget about the season in which he was, like, a below-average MLB hitter by WRC+, plus, by OPS+, plus, by whatever you like. Like, he'll just be playoff hero... Dalton Varsha like nobody remembers Pat Borders um regular season stats yeah. like they remember World Series MVP nobody remembers how that guy performed in the regular season like Joe Carter Ben like Joe Carter right like level of excellence Joe yeah. Carter franchise icon like hasn't paid for a meal in Toronto and how long Joe Carter dude was like Will Myers essentially <laughs> in his career no one remembers that because touch them all Joe so this is the time where with, with just a few good swings a few good pitching performances you can like just completely erase everything that happened before yeah it's a, it's a huge possibility for this team right now because what happened before wasn't that fun uh, it was a very frustrating 
season. I think for, I mean, the players describe it as that a lot of the time. Certainly for a lot of the fans, at least some of the ones that I've heard from, describe it as a frustrating season. Uh, A team that hasn't necessarily been the most likable. Certainly expectations were high as they should have been. And the team, uh, you know, you've pointed out expectations, reality, that difference informs a lot of how we perceive things. That definitely applies here with the Blue Jays. But, you know, for everything that has happened, they have given themselves this chance, maybe with a little assist from the Mariners or from those AL West teams, but they now have this chance to have a totally different story about their season. And, you know, it's to me, that's what's refreshing about the postseason is you actually can can reset and you can have uh, a season where, you know, they have very good chances um, going against a Twins team that they're better than. They're fully rested. This is a good baseball team in the Toronto Blue Jays. Like, they're good. Their season has been super frustrating. And now, you know, I'll be really intrigued to see because this could look a lot different in two weeks. Didn't Brandon Belt describe the final day of the regular season to shy as quote torture <laughs> did he <laughs> yeah i'm pretty sure oh, he did that. uh when brandon bell uh, refreshingly honest so yeah the word frustrating thrown around torture, torture. thrown around uh, he was hitting yeah. three bombs what if he what if he was <laughs> over hit high and deep out to right field you could forget it that ball's long gone what a key cock coming down the stretch for the blue jays Brandon Belt delivers number 19. Well, I think he was referring to like having to wait for the results elsewhere, right? And not knowing your fate right. and not having it completely in your hands. Um, but yeah, like uh, the players realize, like they feel what fans have felt throughout this season, what everybody who's been around the team has felt. Uh, but look, there's an opportunity here over the next two days and possibly three uh, in Minneapolis to uh, change all that or to go to a DS and go and, and play a Houston Astros team that's going to be waiting around for you. Uh, we can get a bit more granular on this series as we go, but just kind of big picture, um, you know, 30,000 foot view. What do you think of, of the series between the Blue Jays, and the Twins, how these teams match up? Well, I think the Jays, because they didn't have to play their some of their key players on Sunday, enter this series in a strong position. They're in a good spot. We haven't seen the specifics of the roster, and we can get into some of that. But, you know, this is a, a strong roster. This is a, a roster that can win multiple, multiple playoff rounds. So they're in a good spot. The Twins, too. I mean, they've had the chance to rest up, guys. They didn't have to push themselves to the brink just to get in. To have Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray going. To have guys like Bailey Ober and Kenta Maeda ready to roll. Joe Ryan. I mean, their starting pitching is good. You know, Duran out of the bullpen. They've got some real weapons to throw at the Blue Jays. And and hitting-wise, guys like Edouard Julien have really stepped up late in the season. This is a good baseball team. So the Twins could easily beat the Blue Jays. As much as I sit here talking about this chance the Blue Jays have, oh my God, they can write their rewrite their script. Yeah, I mean, the Twins are good. The Blue Jays could easily lose to the Twins in this series. I think this series is, of the four wildcard series, as much of a coin flip of as any of them. Like, I think these are two really evenly matched teams. Like, you look at the starting pitching in game one and game two. I mean, who could even pick who has the edge in starting pitching, right? If, if it goes to game three, I think the Blue Jays have a slight edge in terms of, you know, of, of starters. But it might only be a two-game series. And the two matchups to begin this series uh, are going to be absolutely electric. 
With the bullpens, I, I think you have to give the edge to the Blue Jays. They certainly have more depth in the bullpen, but it's the playoffs, right? And so you concentrate your innings towards your best relievers. And we look at the back end of like the Twins' bullpen, right? Like Duran is as like lights out as anybody. Like Griffin Jacks and um, you know Teal Bar and Brock Stewart and these guys, like they get a lot of strikeouts and they really suppress hard contact. Um, you know Pagan, Louis Varland, like there's a lot of options in that twins bullpen like it's a it's a considerable group you look at the offenses i mean you know power advantage to the twins contact advantage to the blue jays to me in the postseason power plays so i kind of go slight advantage to the twins there and defense definite advantage blue jays in my opinion they're a way better defensive team but like you see here i'm flip-flopping on all of these like i think these are two really evenly matched teams that have strengths that kind of counteract the other's weaknesses and vice versa i think it's a really hard series to pick it it is it is and um i'll pick the jays in two but um that wasn't the (laughs) that wasn't the question um (laughs) well i have to up the ante last week i said they were going to get in and then so this i have to i have to up the last week you said they were going to win the wild card series regardless of opponent i just i have blind confidence for some reason (laughs) so yeah anyway you heard it here first um but it's funny with the home runs because you know when you think about the minnesota twins you don't think home runs even like they're great historic hitters which obviously has nothing to do with this team but rod carew and joe mauer like you think average more so than power and that's true of this specific team where max kepler led the team in home runs with 24 but as a group as a collective they led the american league in home runs so this is a group that has a lot of depth power-wise, and that can be a real threat, obviously, at this time of year. A drive left field. Merrifield going back, looking up. That ball is gone! A grand slam for Carlos Correa! They've got a dozen hitters with double-digit home runs, right? So, like, there's just guys up and down this lineup that can leave the yard and they make really hard contact they swing and miss a ton they strike out a ton but this is a group that gets a ton aloft and puts the ball in the air it's like it's been a developmental thing for the twins really like over the last several years um and like i I, i'm kind of a broken record on this but i think that this series will honestly just come down to who hits more homers and like you could like you could say that the other way. This series comes down to which team limits the other team yeah. from hitting homers. But like it's the postseason. Fifty percent of runs scored in the playoffs come via home run. And in the regular season, the Blue Jays rank twenty first across MLB in the percentage of their runs scored via home run. That ranks ninth of the twelve postseason teams. Uh, the Blue Jays also ranks second highest this year in percentage of runs allowed via home run. 47% of runs scored against the Blue Jays came via homers. So, like, this has been a team that's given up a lot of damage on homers. It's a team that hasn't hit a lot of homers itself. I think that those two things really need to change in order for the Blue Jays to be successful. And I think that, like, the Twins' record and how they've played against, admittedly, much weaker competition than the Blue Jays have been facing, I think is a little misleading and a little bit of a mirage. You look at it, the Twins were 19-27 and 27 in one-run games. That is MLB's third worst record yeah. in one-run games. If you just flip a few of those results, we know how much one-run games are impacted by luck and, you know, fortune and flukes. If you just flip a few of those results, I mean, the Twins have a much better record this year, probably a better record than, well, yeah, definitely a better record than the Blue Jays. And then you look at the way the Twins are playing lately. 
They went 18 and 10 from September 1st on. Twins had a plus 73 run differential from September 1st on. The Blue Jays on the season have a plus 75 run differential. Twins plus 73 from September 1 on. Blue Jays were plus 11 in their run differential over the same span. I just think that the Twins will be underestimated in this series, and I think they're better than they appear on paper. I think that's those are good points. The Twins, uh, to me, are definitely a team that you don't want to look past in any way. I don't think anyone here with the Blue Jays is doing that. I mean, obviously, they're across the field from them. Um, they're definitely focused on the Twins. But this is a pretty good team. And, you know, it's not like in the National League where you had some teams sneak in. Like, for example, the Miami Marlins. No offense to the Marlins or any Marlins fans who are listening to this for some bizarre reason. Um, But, you know, the Marlins are not a good team. They're just not. And they weren't a good team even when they had Sandy Alcantara. And now they're definitely not a good team. But somehow they snuck in. So, okay, this is kind of what MLB drew up. You know, we'll see what happens. But to me, the Twins are not. I know they play in a weak division. And I think the Blue Jays are the better team. But the Twins are a good team. And there are some interesting matchups as you're outlining and I would even extend that to the managers where you have a couple of young managers who aren't exactly rookies but they're still looking to kind of prove themselves in this league I think Rocco Baldelli is a good manager I think John Schneider's uh you know gonna get a lot of criticism I'm sure on from from a lot of uh, Jays fans but I do think that he is a, a manager with a lot of tactical skill so we'll see how it plays out oh you know there's gonna be a John Schneider referendum moment at some time in this series a hundred percent unless they sweep their way to the world series you know that there is going to be a let's all crap all over john schneider moment 100 percent, especially because i expect this series to be pretty low scoring and to be pretty or at least pretty tight like i don't i don't think we're going to see a series where we have like a seven four eight six ten five games like i think that we're going to see a lot of four three three one like and i think that the majority of the runs perhaps you've noticed i think they're going to come via homer in this series um like i think that if you're a blue jays fan and you've you know found the the club a bit of a frustrating watch at times uh get ready for a few more kind of grindy <laughs> games here uh in the postseason because i think like look if this if this series goes two games there might only be like nine runs scored cumulatively between wow. the two teams. If it goes three games, there might be like 15. It's like possible. I, I just don't think we're going to see a ton of run scoring in this series. It's entirely possible. And I think, you know, with respect to Schneider, look, he's not above criticism. If he makes a mistake, then he will deserve the criticism that he gets. So, you know, as with any manager in the postseason, we've seen really good managers make mistakes like Kevin Cash and Blake Snell. You know, that is part of the job description is facing criticism, uh, rightly or wrongly. He's going to have his decisions and we'll see how it works. But, um, you know, it is going to be a big time for all of those sorts of things. It's going to be a big time for Blue Jays pitching in particular. Like that's the strength of this team. That's what's gotten them to this position. Obviously, it's an underwhelming Blue Jays offense. Um, the Blue Jays need their pitching to continue rolling. I was citing some of the Twins recent stats since the All-Star break. The Twins are 42 and 29 and they are scoring five and a half runs per game. That is second to only the Houston Astros. As you mentioned, Twins hitters hit the most home runs uh, in the American League this year. Blue Jays pitching needs to be as good in this series as it was during the regular season. It does. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, this is a good offensive team um, and you know, that's going to start with Kevin Gosman. Uh, he's certainly, we just heard from him here at, uh, at Target Field in one of the media interview rooms. Really top to bottom, they, they, can, they can give you a hard time. Uh, a lot of left-handed hitters. Um, yeah, I mean, they've, 
you know, if you look at the numbers, they've kind of always been been tough over me over the course of my career. And um, for whatever reason that is, I don't know why, but um, yeah, definitely excited to, to write the show. Uh, he sounds excited for the opportunity to be able to start uh, for the Blue Jays. Obviously, they'll have a rested bullpen behind Kevin Gosman, and I think they should be and will be willing to go to that bullpen early. This isn't the time to try to push your starters to 110 pitches. This is the time to rely on your relievers and trust that they can help get this job done. There's your crap all over John Schneider moment <laughs> yeah. when he pulls Kevin Gosman yeah. at like 92 pitches in the sixth inning. And then a reliever gives up a run because relievers <laughs> give up runs too, folks. Like it's and, and look, that's again, it's not to say that John Schneider's above reproach. If he messes up, he messes up. And that's part of it. That is part of the whole dynamic here. And that's it's part of why it's fun is we get to criticize their decisions. They have to make them. Um, that is part of the challenge of being a major league manager. Let's take a break. But when we come back again to some of the more granular with this series, uh, all that and so much more when we continue on at the letters. Listen to at the letters ad free on Amazon Music included with Prime. It continues on at the letters, Arden Zwelling, Ben Nicholson, Smith. We are in the uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan radio booth here at uh, Target Field. Very grateful to Ben Wagner, Chris LaRue, and Tom Young for letting us uh, use their space here on Monday night. Uh, batting practice is now over. The grounds crews on the field. They are, uh, you know, starting the uh, the final preparations ahead of game one of the wild card series, which will uh, go off on Tuesday day afternoon you started down the kevin gosman road ben so uh let's just follow that trail a bit further here in the second half um the minnesota twins have seen kevin gosman well like a number of times in his career but also like a a couple of times in particular lately they've been very patient with kevin gosman they've refused to chase his splitter it's been some wonder if they have something on him if they're picking something up from him or someone around him on the mound is some wonder if he was just a little bit too predictable against them what do you make of the way the twins have performed against Gosman of late you know what I take from this is more so that they've done a really good job game planning I mean maybe they have something as far as the signs at the same time Kevin Gosman can be predictable and that's not a bad thing his two pitches talking about the splitter and and fastball, of course, they're great pitches. And usually he's going to use the fastball up and the splitter down. And that works really well. So he can get a little bit predictable. And what I take from the twin success against him is they did a really, really good job of game planning for him within their hitting department and with the hitters themselves. And then following through on that game plan to the point that Kevin Gosman is out there allowing some loud contact. Now, It's on the Blue Jays to realize that the Twins have been on that, which clearly they're well aware of, and to make some sort of adjustments. So maybe that means you're throwing the fastball down in the zone. So they can't sit on the splitter down in the zone and just lay off that fastball. Um, Maybe that leads to some called strikes on fastballs down in the zone at the knees. And that can be one way for, for Kevin Gosman to succeed. I'm sure they've thought through some others, but to me, the Twins have done a really, really good job, and I would give them some credit there. 
Yeah, I think there's three things at play here. Number one, it's the game planning, as you mentioned. Number two, it's the Twins just having some really patient hitters and some really discerning hitters like Edouard Julien, one of the most patient hitters in baseball, chases as little as anyone across the league. But even guys like Jorge Polanco, Carlos Correa has a really good idea of what he's doing at the plate. So these are guys who don't come out of their approaches and make good swing decisions. They're very focused at the dish. So I think that's the second thing and I do think the third thing is just Kevin Gosman and Alejandro Kirk as well needing to be very consistent in what they do what they do what Kevin Gosman does with his glove with his mouth with his rhythm with his tempo with everything that that goes into his many mannerisms on the mound I think that he must locate down in the zone with the fastball and when you're throwing to Alejandro Kirk that's usually a good thing to do because he's so good at vacuuming those pitches up and presenting them at the bottom of the zone I think he must locate splitters on the plate preferably down into the edges but can't be a situation where every splitter finishes outside the zone because that makes it easier for hitters to eliminate it and then I think that Alejandro Kirk must be very deliberate with the way that he sets up and very consistent with the way that he sets up. He has to not set up too early. I think this has been a point of emphasis with Blue Jays catchers for some time now, and I think it's one that'll likely be reinforced with Alejandro Kirk going into this start. That He needs to be thinking about the way he sets up like every inning, every pitch. It's so easy to kind of forget about that as a catcher because you think about so many other things. You're calling pitches, you're receiving them, you're trying to control the running game, you're thinking about the defense, you're thinking about you know the pitch wrecks on your wrist and all these things. But I think he has to have that front of mind every pitch that Kevin Gosman throws. Well, yeah, and I think that's a really good point because you know you think about just how much goes into these games. There's a lot that goes into a regular season game, and we've talked about that on ATL before, You know, especially for catchers. They'll have a pre-series meeting. They'll break things down. Um, there's, there's a lot that goes into it, but for the postseason, that's amped up even more. And last week at Rogers Center, for example, there were people from the Texas Rangers, the Tampa Bay Rays, the Houston Astros, and I presume the Minnesota Twins, although I didn't see anyone there specifically, but... From those three organizations scouting the Blue Jays in person to have eyes for any of those little tells. They're not there looking for the spin rate on Kevin Gosman's splitter. Like That's data. That's yeah. Everyone knows that. So the people that they have there in person are looking for some of these little things. There is an investment for on the part of those teams to say, what can we see with the naked eye? What can we see that might not be captured on a Rapsodo camera? And if they see anything... They're going to pass it on, and that can be to the advantage of those hitters and the detriment of the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays have such a deep rotation that it's almost like not even worth having a conversation about who should start game th- two, like who should start game three. Like it's not worth like arguing about the particulars of it because you're starting somebody good either way. Um, and for that reason, do you think it just makes sense for the Blue Jays to keep the rotation rolling and just like give let guys know when they're going to be starting? Go Barrios game two, Bassett game three, regardless of results in game. Game one, regardless of anything. Yeah, that's been my lean for a while now. I think we've talked about this in recent weeks. And I just think, you know, you've had Kevin Gosman lined up for the game 162 or the game one. They didn't have to use him in game 162. That's great. Now you use him in game one. And to me, you just keep it rolling. Like, I, I don't like the idea of trying to get too cute. I don't like the idea of trying to say, like, hey, Jose Barrios, we love you so much, but 
we actually love Chris Bassett just a little bit more. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to have him in game two and we're going to bump you to game three. But don't worry, we still really believe in you. Like, I, I just think from a preparation standpoint, from a mental standpoint, just keep these guys rolling and let them do their thing. How do you feel about the matchups in that case? Because those are two guys who have had trouble with left-handed hitters throughout the season. It's kind of fluctuated for them. But, you know, in the Twins, I mean, between Julian, um, you know, Max Kepler, Alex Kurilev, uh, you know, who else would be in? Like, they, they could throw four lefties in there um, against Brios and Bassett. Like, how does that inform things for the Blue Jays and maybe even the amount of rope that those guys get in their starts? Well, it definitely should impact the amount of rope they have because you do not want to leave them out there. You know, big, huge situation in the game, maybe third time through the order. Um, you have someone ready in the bullpen, tough lefties coming up against Barrios, for instance, or Bassett, for that matter. Bassett, you know, for what it's worth, Bassett has been a lot worse on the road this year than he has at home. I don't tend to read a ton into that, but either way, these are really good pitchers. You need them. You're absolutely going to need them to win this series and to continue winning series, but you have relievers for a reason. And this is not only one of the best rotations in baseball. In my opinion, it's one of the better bullpens in baseball. And they can continue to deploy those guys to maximize the matchups and keep runs off the board. I know that Chris Bassett has shown you that he can pitch very deep into games and he can turn a lineup over three times and he throws so many pitches. He has so many avenues that he could attack opposition hitters with. If this thing gets to game three and Bassett's on the mound, I think it's two trips and done. He's got almost an 850 OPS against lefties this year. Um, or lefties have almost 850 OPS against him, I should say. It's not quite as pronounced for Barrios, but it is like 775 for Brios, lefties OPSing against him. I mean, it's like that's it's a dangerous road with those guys against some of the letting the left-handed hitters in the Twins lineup see them too often. Um, probably also worth noting the Blue Jays pitchers allowed the most home runs to left-handed hitters in MLB Oof. this year. 100 homers allowed to left-handed hitters. Chris Bassett allowed quite a few of them. And Twins hitters have hit the fourth most home runs against righties in MLB this year 179 so like that that is something that you want to be very cautious with like look credit to to bassett who made an adjustment kind of mid-season with his cutter like he was going in with it so much against lefties started waking working away from them Brios, who seen make an adjustment went away from the four seamer um in general but particularly against lefties kind of as the season went on because the location was a little iffy with it and like lefties were slugging like 600 against Brios in august I like needed to do something against it. Like credit to those guys for making the adjustments they needed to, but just these matchups in particular, to your point, I think the Blue Jays need to learn, lean in to like the Mazes, the Cabreras, the Kikuchis, even the Swansons and the Richards yep. in their bullpen against some of these lefties without letting starters see them too many times. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a tough one. And when you spell it out like that, like you almost start to think, okay, the twins are going to hit some homers. Like it's going to happen. Um, so then my mind goes, just make sure they're solo shots. Like don't walk guys. Like don't go too far down the path of trying to not allow homers. Then you walk a couple guys and then you allow a three run homer. So, you know, it's so easy to say here on Monday, you know, once the target field is full and you have all the kinds of pressure on you, I understand it's a different situation, but this is their job. This is their, this is their expertise. This is what they're really, really good at. And to me, look, allow a couple solo homers five innings you're fine 
You know, just just don't walk three guys and then allow the homer. Yeah, it's pretty clear like the trade-off the Twins make offensively, right? They hit a lot of homers among postseason teams. They're third in hard hit rate, second in barrel rate. Like they hit the ball really hard. They hit it in the air. But the trade-off of that is they strike out a lot, right? Let MLB in strikeout rate, um, lowest contact rate among postseason teams. So like Kevin Gossman could rack up a whole bunch of strikeouts in game one, right? Like a high strikeout guy. And if he's able to make an adjustment to get the Twins to offer more at his splitter, like he could get a whole bunch of whiffs and, and a whole bunch of Ks. Like same goes for Brios in game two. If if it is Brios in game two, we expect it to be him and Bassett in game three. But um, like I just, I think that's another reason to go to the bullpen early in these games. I don't, I don't know what's like, or what's early to people, right? But probably earlier than a lot of people are going to want the yep. Blue Jays to. Honestly, like I don't let any of these guys get too far into a third trip through because you have swing and miss in the bullpen as the Blue Jays and you have a lot of versatile arms that you can match up with guys against. You just have so many relievers that you trust and who can get you strikeouts and offer a different look. Um, like, yeah, if I'm John Schneider, I'm pretty aggressive and liberal with my bullpen usage. Well, let's say Kevin Gosman shoves in game one, goes seven. You're totally happy with him going seven. Then it's Romano and then Hicks, you know, in some order. Ooh. <laughs> you know, we'll see. That's a whole other you <laughs> That know, was an interesting topic. sequence. It was. Yeah, it really was. But um, then, so you win game one. Great. Then it's game two. Barrios is out there. He's dealing. But like you said, you have all these lefties. Barrios has been hit hard by lefties, not only this year, but last year he was hit really hard by lefties. And maybe at that point, five innings through, you say, all right, Jimmy Garcia, we're going to you. Or, you know, maybe it's uh, or maybe it's the lefties. Maybe you want to go lefty-lefty. It's Yenesis Cabrera, more likely, uh, in this situation. Um, it's Tim Meza. I think that's totally fine. And you try to win it that way, and it might backfire, and maybe that's like the, the John Schneider moment that's going to happen, and people are going to be mad. And, hey, if it backfires, rightfully so. Fans have a right to be mad. But I, I don't think it's a bad call to go out there and go to that bullpen in those spots. What do you make of the Hicks v. Romano thing since you uh, you know opened that box? Uh, do the Blue Jays have a closer right now? Like, what do you think? Who do you think gets the next save opportunity? I think Hicks gets the next save opportunity, but I don't think they have a closer. Yeah. I really don't. I think it's closer by committee, and they're never going to come out and say it because teams don't like to announce when they do have closers. <laughs> they don't like to announce when they don't have closers. But I think that... You know, this is what the Jays would say, and it's true. They're both incredibly important to the bullpen. They both will be asked to get huge outs. I think it depends on kind of the portion of the lineup that you're looking at. I mean, it's kind of funny because like Hicks throws 103 with insane sink, but. Uh, he gives up more contact than Jordan Romano. Like Romano is your better bet to get swing and miss, and your better get bet to get a whiff. But it's the postseason, and you have to be that much more reactionary to what you've seen lately. And what we've seen lately from Jordan Romano is his slider has just not been the same as it is when he's going really well. Um, like we're just seeing more of those kind of hanging cement mixers from him at times. He's getting two inches less horizontal break on his slider than he was over the first three months of the season he's getting less extension on you know just all of his pitches yeah. both of his pitches over the last couple of months um i talked about this last time on the podcast we've seen a few romano appearances where like he just doesn't have that fastball velo in his first like three four five pitches of the appearance and eventually he finds it 
but like damage can be done in the first half dozen pitches that you throw. And if you know you're at like 94, 95, 96, and later on you're getting to 98, 99, that's great. But those first few pitches are important, and hitters at this level are aggressive and they recognize when you don't have your best stuff. And they will have scouting reports that will tell you that hey, Jordan Amano hasn't had his best velo like early in his appearances lately. Get geared up get ready so there's just something going on there like romano at 98.99 with strike to ball sliders that's an elite closer like one of the better relievers in this game but romano at like 95.96 with like a slider without a ton of depth that's on the plate is kind of ordinary at this level so like the blue jays need to figure out like where he's at but i do think it is very matchup dependent because I think Jordan Romano is a better bet to get you swing and miss than um, Jordan Hicks is. So it's like, do you, are you thinking contact or are you thinking whiff? Well, because Hicks hasn't had a ton of swing and miss since coming over to Toronto either, despite touching 101, 102 on the radar gun. So it's one of those weird things where, you know, I think if you were viewing this as a neutral observer or, or if you were here, you know, covering the Twins or, or on the Twins, I think you would look at the Blue Jays bullpen and say, damn, like we don't want to face those guys. Those guys are legit. And you'd look at Tim Meza, another guy who's kind of maybe just fallen a little bit down on the depth chart lately for whatever reason. You'd look at his season numbers, you'd say, okay, this guy's a monster, like from the left side. You'd look at the velo from Jimmy Garcia and Yenesis Cabrera, and you'd say, wow, this team can pitch. And I think that's true, but I think that as you're saying, for those of us who watch every Blue Jays inning and every Blue Jays pitch, and that applies to a lot of our listeners too, I know, you know, that is, you can start to see the faults with these pitchers and they exist, but I don't want to lose sight of the fact that, hey, they're still really good pitchers. Totally. And I think that Meza and Cabrera could appear in like each of the first two games of this series both of them honestly like i i think that they have really big roles to play in this series like it was kind of funny there was you know the blue jays had some points this year where you didn't see tim Meza for like a number of days you didn't you see assist cabrera at all because they just didn't have the matchups for them but i think that in in this series like those two guys, I'm pretty sure you're going to see on both Tuesday and Wednesday. And then if it goes to a Thursday, it's going to be, can you go again? <laughs> like, yeah. what, how many pitches did you throw? Yeah. Uh, I think they have a big role to play here. I think Eric Swanson has a big role to play here. I think his splitter plays really well against lefties. So I think he's important in this series. Trevor Richards, we'll see. It's, I'm sure that, you know, the trust level with him has decreased. And I don't think you're throwing him into the highest of high leverage. But if you're just kind of like looking at the matchups of how his stuff profiles, against some of these twins hitters and their swing planes um, and the way they try to get loft and the way they try to swing like that changeup's going to look really good so I think there's a lot of good matchups for him my biggest curiosity is just how does you say Kikuchi fit in with this bullpen like what's his role in this series where do you use him are you okay using him in like a short stint are you saving him for a longer outing I'm interested in how he fits in personally I'd be fine using you say Kikuchi in the fifth inning in the yeah. seventh inning just to come in as a lefty reliever like just see what he can do you know nasty stuff he's pitched out of the bullpen before obviously last year the circumstances were different it was kind of a demotion but i don't know he's not going to start this series i'd be totally fine using him in that situation um he's probably not your first choice but maybe in that situation you describe where you use yanis cabrera and tim Meza a lot in the first two games maybe that's you say in the third game 
we kind of covered this so on the last podcast, the debate between do you take 13 position players, 13 pitchers? Do you take 14 position players, 12 pitchers? We won't go as deep into it, but saw that you kind of had your roster projection up on sportsnet.ca, saw that you fell on the side of 14 position players, 12 pitchers. I assume that's how you still feel. Still 14-12, keeping it, <laughs> keeping it 14-12 over here. I think, you know, based on what John Schneider said at the pregame, or, or not pregame, but the workout availability here on Monday. Sounds like the Blue Jays are leaning toward 14 and 12 as well. I like that call for them. I think that makes a lot of sense. That allows you to have three different bench players. Well, four if you include Whit Merrifield, five if you include Tyler Heineman, but three different bench weapons, essentially. Cam Eaton with the speed, Davis Schneider with the power, Santiago Espinal with the contact against lefties. Espinal gets into one. A long way to I think they all have a clear role, and it looks like that's how that part of things will unfold. And Espinal covers you on the infield if you should need somebody to you know, play at second base or shortstop. And yeah, you probably trust him defensively more than Davis Schneider at this point. So uh, that definitely makes some sense. Any uh, anything else you think's kind of you know that's on your mind about this series? You think's under the radar, not being talked about enough? What do you got? I'll, I'll jump actually beyond this series. I just want to say the teams that I think are the best in baseball right now sure. for <laughs> for posterity's sake. Okay, <laughs> are you about to say the Miami Marlins? No, oh, they did not about make to, the cut. Are you about to say the Atlanta Braves and the yep, Los Angeles Dodgers? Yep, they're in there Shocking. as well. I'm also going to throw in the Phillies and the Astros. Those are the four best teams in baseball, in my opinion. Great. I'm glad that we've shared that. Yes, I had to get that. I don't know. I thought about tweeting it and then I thought, uh, do I really want to tweet this? No. So for any diehard listener who got to this point in the podcast, <laughs> now you know what I think. Now you know who the four best teams are, in my opinion. Oh, so my under the radar <laughs> thing is maybe a little bit. Are you taking us back to the Blue Jays here? Uh, it's a little bit, well, to the Twins. And okay. it's, yeah, it's going to be a bit more granular than <laughs> the Braves are good. Uh, I think you got to get used to the term sweeper in this series because I think it's going to be a very important pitch for the Twins. You look at Pablo Lopez and Sonny Gray, two guys who use sweepers very effectively. Um, They've used them a lot more since they've come to the Twins. Seems like it's a developmental thing for the Twins that they really put a lot of focus on. Uh, And the Blue Jays have some right-handed hitters who uh, have had some difficulty against that pitch over their careers. Um, Sonny Gray's sweeper in particular is just like a dominant weapon. It's got a 19 run value this year. Um, Opposition hitters are batting uh, 0.97 against it with a 118 slug he's got a 41% whiff rate Sonny Gray on his uh, on his sweeper didn't allow a homer on it all year and Lopez's sweeper is like really good too 173 opponents batting average 287 slug 37% whiff rate so I think you're going to see a lot of those pitches I think you're going to hear about it a lot as you should because those two pitchers are going to use it really effectively I feel um, I think that Gray and Lopez are just both really good pitchers in general they have like multiple ways to attack you on either side of the plate they throw multiple pitches to either side of the platoon you just like it's very hard to have a game plan against these guys because they have so many different effective pitches that they can use on the plate and off um i kind of said earlier like i think the first two pitching matchups in this series are just absolutely dynamite from a starting pitching perspective and i can't wait to watch them yeah it should be a lot of fun or you know maybe not like who knows (laughs) oh it's dude they're gonna be like from a fan's perspective 
frustrating, grindy games. Well, like, based on last year, let's not go. Let's not think about last year too much. But um, I don't think you're going to see like offensive explosions. I don't think you're going to see either team have like a five run lead. Like I think they are going to be like grindy, grindy affairs. I think they are going to be dirty, grimy, mucky. Like I think that's what you're going to get. Yeah, it's uh, it's entirely possible. Should be a lot of fun. Playoff baseball is pretty fun. So I'm I'm pretty stoked. I'm pretty ready for this. Yes. The Atlanta Braves are a good team and playoff baseball is don't, fun. Don't forget about the Phillies. Don't forget about the Astros. The Astros almost didn't make it. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm telling you, I think they're the best team in the American League. Yeah, on paper, they're great. Uh, played uh, like piss down the stretch, but yeah, they're, uh, they're fine. You know, did not perform well in September. But yeah, great on paper. And like they're just hanging out, like waiting for one of these two teams. Um, yeah. which is like a huge advantage. You go from almost not making it to first round by. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, would it be a surprise to see the Houston Astros go back to the ALCS for what I believe would be the seventh straight season? No, no, it would not be a surprise at all. So, uh, I'm going to like put you on record, put you on record. You're saying blue Jays in two. Blue Jays into you heard it here first. All right. Do you have a prediction? Are you get, yeah. Let's hear it. Blue Jays in two. I'm going to say Blue Jays in three, uh, and game three is going to be the George Springer game. Like he's going to hit nice. two homers um, and uh, take this team to the ALDS. That's what I think. There's a drive to deep left, and it's gone. Springer got him. So while I will favor the Blue Jays in this series, to me, the Blue Jays are like. 51 and a half percent favorites in my mind i I agree i think the twins are 48.5 percent underdogs i agree and i think my real logical brain says yes it's 52 to 48 yeah but uh for posterity's sake i am saying blue jays in two and uh if they did wild card mvps kevin kiermeyer would win that award Ooh, yeah for his defensive play, for like coming up with some scrappy hits from the Stay nine tuned. hole. Stay tuned. For a big homer from Kevin Kiermeyer. Maybe some of the, maybe all of the above. I think George Springer, wild card uh, MVP for the Blue Jays. But I also think like low key Yenesis Cabrera comes up with like two <laughs> massive innings. <laughs> like honestly, comes into a like really tough, like pitches the Blue Jays out of a really tough, like fifth inning spot with one pitch and then comes back and just like mows mows dudes down in the sixth get your uh houston hotel booked sounds like sounds like we both agree they're uh they're making it through i think we both picked blue jays last year as well pal well how'd that go this is a blue jays podcast so it's probably (laughs) you know i don't want to totally alienate our audience but i actually i truly believe that the jays will win this series so there you go i truly believe it's like it's essentially a coin flip in the way that when you flip a coin i think the the tail side is like has slightly more weight like fractions of a gram more weight so you should i might be like screwing this up but you should always choose tails because gravity is more likely to pull that down because there's a little bit more weight on the tail oh, side this is news to me of an american coin yeah i've been picking heads my whole life so that's uh and tails never fails dude but that's uh I, <laughs> think I mean it sometimes fails in that way i think it's a coin flip but the blue jays have like fractionally more opportunity to win We'll see. Okay. We'll see. That's going to be it for us. Uh, We got to get out of here and then come back here again in uh, a matter of hours. But that's going to be our wild card preview. I want to thank our producer, Christian Ryan, for all of his hard work. Uh, We'll talk to you after the wild card series. Maybe going to Houston. 
maybe recapping the Blue Jays season. Those are really the only two options. For Ben Nicholson-Smith, I'm Arden Swelling. Thanks so much for listening. This has been At The Letters.